Hi guys, I'm so excited for you to listen to this awesome podcast with Clara. We went over zeal and a lot of questions pertaining to it, as well as seeing a generation of children on fire for God. Clara is an awesome person. I'm so excited for you guys to meet her. A couple things first. Um, we did talk for like over an hour, so I broke it up into two different segments. So the first recording is this week, and then the second recording, the last little bit of it, is going to be next week, next Monday, released. And so keep your ears and eyes open for that, and let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Perfectionist Podcast with Dre. Today, we're going to be talking about zeal with one of my really good friends, Miss Clara. Clara, would you like to introduce yourself with like a fun fact about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Clara, and I've known Andrea for like, it feels like we haven't known each other that long, but it actually has been a long time, probably what, middle school? Probably. Um, yeah, which is super crazy, because that's like so close to 10 years ago and that's kind of freaking me out i'm like okay right it's insane um and a fun fact about me so oh man i'm terrible about fun facts about me um i can play the piano and the guitar oh so i'm like super artsy i don't seem like an artsy person i feel like but i love like dance and music and I've always wanted to learn ballroom dancing never have but I really want to and I don't feel like many people know that so there's Girl, a fun fact when I get back home we're taking a ballroom dancing class together oh my goodness I forgot that you dance I wanted to be on dancing with the stars for the longest time I was like I just want to become a star so I can be on dancing with the stars like dream <laughs> same same. So. Same here. Yeah. All right. Next question. Um, would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Um, yes. I, I like to have fun and everything, but I like to be very structured. Um, I actually have said to my friends one time, oh my gosh, guys, we should plan a spontaneous trip to Asheville. And they both looked at me and we're like, you just said plan a spontaneous trip. Those two things don't go together. And I was like, well, we have to make the most out of it. So let's plan it. And like, it's two weeks away. Let's go in two weeks. That's spontaneous. But it gives me time to like, okay, look up all the blogs, like figure out what to do. And they have not let me live that down that I said, let's plan a spontaneous trip. But I feel like that says a lot about myself because I love fun, but I also love planning. So, girl, yeah. same. <laughs> I, I like plan spontaneity. Like if I can plan yeah. a day to be spontaneous, I'm cool yeah. with that. <laughs> because I don't like to do things halfway. I want to do it to the fullest extent. Like if I'm gonna drive three hours to go somewhere, I'm gonna do like the most fun things and get the best experience out of it that I can so and you can't really do that if you just like fly off the handle and do whatever maybe that's not the right phrasing fly off the handle is normally like mad anyways you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I, I got you I got you um so 
what is your testimony? If you don't mind going into like a short kind of yeah. summary of, or if you have a more in-depth thing you want to share of your testimony so people yeah. can kind of see where you're coming from and they can kind of get behind your head and in that little brain of yours to figure out yeah. where you're coming from and what you're saying and stuff like that. And they can relate to you a lot better that way. Okay. So my testimony, um, first off, I want to start off by saying, like, I feel like our life isn't like, oh, this is our testimony of how we met Jesus. And that's our only testimony. Our life is a continuation of a bunch of testimonies. And I feel, um, I didn't realize that for the longest time. Uh, but a testimony is anything that God has done in your life. But how I came to Christ and kind of where I'm at now is I grew up in a Christian family, um, like aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, like I don't really understand the concept of having family that does not know who Jesus Christ is. And so, which is such a blessing to have a core family that is built upon the foundation of Christ. Um, and if it wasn't for that, I have no idea where I would be today. Um, I, so the way that I've always known who Jesus is, but whenever I was like, okay, I want Jesus to come into my heart and be my savior. I think I was like six or seven, maybe five between the ages of five and seven. I was young. It's actually kind of a crazy story. Um, my mom and siblings were talking about the rapture and I was like, oh my gosh, that's what's going to happen. I didn't know that. Like I know Jesus, but I didn't know that that was going to happen and I don't want that to happen. And so, um, yeah, that's the time that I was like, I recognized like why Jesus came and what comes after that, like what comes after death, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so, but from that point on, I always have had a hunger for God, but at a young age, I didn't know how to cultivate that. So I remember laying in bed and I had like one of those little New Testament Bibles that they, that people give out. And I always wanted to read it and I could read, but I didn't know where to start. I didn't know where to start in reading the Bible and getting to know God on a relationship level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say that like official, like relationship, um, probably started whenever I was a teenager. Like I always wanted it, but I never knew how, like I said, to cultivate that. So probably from my teenage years to now, I've just has been a journey of learning to have a relationship with God and live that out in my daily life. Um, so Oh, I've gone on things like mission trips, which has like expanded my view of God. Um, I lived in Mexico for a little while and grew tremendously there. And so that's kind of where I am now is walking out my relationship with God. And yeah, I don't, I don't know what I was going to say. I lost it. Um, all good, all good. But not to say like because I grew up in a Christian family I was perfect that is definitely not the case um I've had things that I've walked through that aren't of God and aren't what we're called to be like we all have like nobody's perfect every time I say that I think of a Hannah Montana song 
nobody's perfect. You live and you learn it. Yeah. It's a super fun journey. Definitely not easy. Um, and life isn't easy. And I just, it blows my mind that people live life without God, because if I did not have him, my life, oh my goodness, I don't, I don't know how I would make it like day to day or I, it just, I don't even have words. I'd just be literally lost and like, don't know where to go. Don't know what to do. Like, who am I going to cry to and be like, what am I supposed to do? You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I completely understand. Um, I did have a question though, cause you said you had a Bible, but you didn't know where to start reading. What, what book or what passage or where would you recommend a new Christian to start reading? So, um, I believe that, oh man, this is kind of hard because I'm like, I have two answers. Um, if they have no basis of who God is, um, oh wow. Okay. I'll just give both answers. I'd give you two options of starting in Genesis and going through the Bible from beginning to end because without the beginning, if you have no basis of who God is, no basis of creation and the fall of humanity and everything that happened, then you just pick up in the Bible of this man named Jesus and he came to die for your sins. Well, why did he come? Like, what's the purpose of him coming? Because there's no... Um, no concept, no reasoning. It's just mm -hmm. like, wow, he's really nice and he loves me, which is so true and so amazing. Um, so I think that's a good answer, which it can be kind of hard because there's so much in the Old Testament that you're like, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah. He loves these people and he just like led them through the wilderness for 40 years and like, a hole opened up, swallowed this whole family. Like, who is this guy? He does not seem very nice. But whenever you understand and read it through the context of Holy Spirit teaching you and all those kinds of things, it it's just completely different. And then the other option would be, I've been told um, the best place for a new believer to start is in John. Um, read John and then I think it's first, second, third John, and then go back to John again and read, just read it all over again. Because honestly, out of the Gospels, John is my favorite. Um, just the way that he tells the stories and reads them. It's just like, I don't know. I just like them. It's more, I don't know the word for it, but that is my favorite Gospel out of the four. Um, and then after that, I would probably go to Acts and then maybe go to Genesis and read all the way through or, um, just start in the New Testament, read the New Testament, and then go to old. That's what I've done. One of my favorite things I've ever done is read the New Testament first, then go back and read through the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. But it's really just preference and yeah. Awesome. So, well, thank you. Hopefully some people can use that. And if they're looking to start their Bible study, they kind of have a better idea where to start. John is one of my favorite books too. I actually yeah. started memorizing it. I was like on chapter four and had oh, that wow. memorized and then I got really tired of reading John for a second so I took a break yeah yeah that's awesome all so. right moving on to the first question like question question pertaining to the topic what is zeal and like what does it look like 
Okay, so I, whenever I think of the word zeal, I think of someone who is very passionate and bold about their passion. Um, the definition of zeal is great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an ob or an objective. Sorry, um, and it says you are willing, energized, and motivated. So if you have zeal, you are like whatever the cause is. You're willing to do whatever it takes to get that cause like done. Whatever it takes to get the task finished or where you feel that it should be um, and energized about it. You're not just like, yeah, I mean, if I have zeal for Jesus, I'm not gonna, just going to be like, yeah, I mean, I guess he's kind of cool. I'm going to be like, bro, do you know Jesus? Because he's like the best person ever and like super energized about it um, and motivated and our motivation for that is just like to share the goodness of God. So on that and sorry, I lost my train of thought again. <laughs> um, choo -choo. <laughs> when you have zeal for something, you spend a lot of time doing it and staying in, in whatever is giving you the fire and the passion for it. So one of my favorite things um, it gave some synonyms for zeal, and it was enthusiastic, passionate, earnest, and burning. Um, and one of my favorite things is like, I want to see a gen like a generation of kids on fire for God. And so fire, burning, I'm like, yes, burning. Let's go, Jesus. Come on. Um, so yeah, that is what zeal is to me. Someone who is so, whenever it comes to zeal for Jesus and zeal for seeing something like a generation that's completely sold out to God is a generation that knows who Jesus is and every time that they spend time with him he stokes the fire and stokes the burning that is within their heart to see this um I hope that makes sense my yeah, brain's totally. a little like <laughs> definitely I love that um I really love that burning like and then you've got like the coals and stuff that slowly comes up into like a roaring fire and how yeah. that's like you have to attend to your fire and like attend yeah. to the fire of the generation in order for that big overwhelming burning yeah. zealousness to overtake the nation um when, oh can ahead. i add that yeah so when it comes to burning and he's like you said the embers um about two weeks ago I was sitting around a campfire with some friends and God had like given me like a revelation of something. I'm looking at this fire and there's the logs that are around the coals and the coals are what keep the fire burning. That's where the heat comes from and then they catch onto the wood. But it was like the wood was protecting the coals and like um, it was waiting to be caught on fire to burn even brighter. Does that make sense? Um, like, God, like this person has placed a piece of wood around the fire to one, keep the coals burning, but two, to make it bigger. So that to me was just like, wow, that's really cool. Like if we are to burn for God, like, of course we have our coals and he gives us things to help keep the coals burning and help them stay aflame, but also to make it bigger. And it's a continuous thing. Like you can't just put one piece of wood on it and expect it to burn forever. It's something that you have to continually do all the time to keep it burning and to, for it to burn brighter. 
I like that. I'm taking a note of it right now. I'll continue adding <laughs> wood to your fire. It, I love it whenever like Jesus will give me like take something practical and be like, here, let me teach you something. I'm like, this is really cool because that's how I learn. Um, I'm a very like, I need to see it and like understand it for me to learn. So I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, all right, on to the second question. Can someone be too zealous? So I've thought about this. Um, my answer would be no. Can you be zealous with the wrong intentions? Yes. Okay. So if, can somebody be too zealous? No, but yes, if you're doing it with the wrong motives and the wrong heart, then I would just say, like, they're not too zealous. I would just say that they're zealous, but the intentions and their heart behind why they're zealous is not correct. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Can you give me an example of, like, some misguided intentions or motivations so that we can keep a lookout in ourselves? And also in other people who we're thinking about getting to know or following in their mm -hmm. zeal and stuff like that. What are some things to look for? Yeah. So to me, like if I, there's so many people who we look up to who are very influential in um, our faith, like whether for, oh man, I'm trying to think of like famous preachers or speakers or singers or whatever. Um, if we are like, okay, I feel like God is calling me to be a pastor and you're zealous for God and you're going after it. And then your intentions change to, well, I want to be famous. Like I want to be famous for myself so I can make money or so I can be known whenever that's not actually at all what you're called to be. You're called to make God known and not yourself. Now, sometimes it does happen to where just God really does work through you and you are known by people but it all comes back to the intentions of the heart and where why are you wanting to do that like if I want to be a worship leader one thing that I would ask myself is why why am I doing it and who am I doing it for is it myself or is it to bring glory to God is it so I can make a lot of money or is it so I can like have people encounter the presence of God through worship that I have experienced um so a question that I would ask myself is why am I doing it and who am I doing it for and the answer should be why is to make God known and so people can encounter him and who should always be God. Like we shouldn't do everything that we should do should be all for the glory of God, right? Mm -hmm. So if it becomes about anybody else, then our intentions are off. And I think everybody walks through times to where you have to continually keep yourself in check and I'm not saying like if you've ever had a thought of wanting to do it to be famous that you're like horrible like just don't ever do it again 
just really keep yourself in check. Have mentors and have people who are like, if they start to see you go off to do it for the wrong reasons that they're like, hey, maybe you should rethink this. And it, like, you can work through it and be forgiven. And maybe you're like, okay, this is something that I struggle with. I need to keep it in check. So does that answer your question? Yes, it does. It's a very good summary. Good job. You're doing great. You're a natural podcast interviewee. Is that what they're called? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, question number three. What are some scriptures that come to your mind when you think of the topic of zeal or a generation on fire? Okay. So two verses that I love, love, love about where it, God is talking about children. Um, one is Psalm 8-2, and it says, You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. So God has taught children and infants to proclaim who he is and the strengths that he has. And whenever the word of God is spoken through people, it silences the enemy. Like that is the truth. So the truth conquers lies and the enemy is a liar. So when the truth is spoken, it conquers that, it wins. And he's taught kids to do that, which is totally amazing. Um, just blows my mind. Sometimes I think we can learn so much from kids. They'll tell me stuff and I'm like, what in the world? How did that come from you? And it's like, well, he's taught children and infants to tell of his strength and it silences the enemy, which is totally cool. Um, and then Matthew 19, 14, and this is where um, parents bring their kids to Jesus and the disciples are like, no, 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 like go away. And Jesus is like, but no, he says, but Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. So he's telling us here, you are to become like them. Mm -hmm. And so I think as like in that scripture, um, as adults, um, maybe tend to push kids more to the side or like, no, don't bother them. Like he's, he's Jesus. Like just leave him alone. He's like, no, actually you can really learn a lot from them. And through working with kids and observing so many different things, I think we can learn from them one because they're they haven't been completely overcome by the world by the worries of the world um they trust their parents is how it tends to be and so they just they don't really have to worry about day-to-day -day life they know that everything's taken care of um they normally speak their mind and are very honest uh great so great um and so it's not to say like be childish like childish like be immature it's never lose your wonder that a child has like children have the biggest imagination and just don't really have a care in the world um so yeah that would be my two scriptures i just love them so much and I love that. Yeah, yeah um 
So I like how you're putting this idea. So we've got one analogy of fire and another analogy of children. And sometimes we refer mm-hmm. to children as spitfires. Yeah. <laughs> so I can kind of see the same, like, you have one child and they're playing and having fun, but you get like 20 of them together and it's roaring. Oh, trust Energy me, I know. <laughs> of them bouncing off of each other is amazing. And yeah. I really like your concept of putting that to like the generation on fire for God. Like if that energy was used and produced upward and outward, rather than on all these other things that our energy gets put into today. Um, I think I love that idea so much. Uh, yeah. The, were you going to say something? Yeah. So, and I also think it's something that you have to really um, protect and cultivate is not, I, there's definitely a time and a place for um, you can't just let kids run wild and be crazy and like always express themselves. Like I totally like don't hear that. I'm like, let kids do whatever they want. If they want to throw a tantrum, if they, no, no, no. It's not what I'm saying. Whenever I say, sometimes I feel like we can squash what children have in the sense of their emotions and how they express things um because whenever it pertains to because i've seen it so many times where a young kid is really touched by god and we can do one of two things of no like get like i i've seen a 10 year old on the floor face down weeping because she's been touched by god and the crazy thing is, is the adults in the room were like, we were about to like wrap up, finish. They were having a worship night. And they said, we looked over and she's laying there weeping and she's getting touched by God. And so you could either be like, no, we're done. Like, we're not going to, we're not, we're finished. Or you can say, no, 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 there's something here. God is doing something here. And we don't just need to leave it or it could be like get up off the floor you're fine quit crying because that is a natural response to a child crying especially if something's done and you you don't know what's wrong i mean i've done it like my niece if she's crying for no reason i'm like stop crying you're fine and there like i said there are instances where that is true but depending on the situation you really have to just pay attention and be open to what god is saying like because we are to learn from them. There's something that they have that is so important for us. So, yeah. And because it's kind of like, I know for me, if I've ever been um, in a place where God says something to me or I just, I'm touched by God or whatever, I can almost get like embarrassed because I'm like, well, I don't really know. Like people may think that I'm crazy. I've noticed that in kids too. And I think it's a little bit because they're not quite sure sometimes when God, like when we experience God, we're not really sure like how to express it or how to say it. And so like 
I think it's so fun to watch kids because sometimes they'll just come out and be like, yeah, this is what happened. And sometimes um, if they're not really sure or they've seen instances where they're like, I'm not like able to share my feelings or something, then they may be a little bit more like shy and closed off just because they don't know how to express it. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if any of that made sense, but I'm like, I feel like this is very important. So I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I love that you said that. Um, I'm going to use that and segue into, in a lot of churches today, we have this, okay, some of them you have like, okay, raising your hand in worship is okay. You have like a tear is okay, but um, in the Bible, wasn't Paul and like the people after the, uh, the flamey thing, Pentecost, um, didn't people think yeah. they were like drunk? And yes. so I'm just like, imagine being that excited and that zealous that you just like go out there and you're laughing and you're so excited about this, but there's, there's not that excitement anymore. I feel like it's almost taboo to be like that well, outgoing and you kind of have to be super reverent in some of the churches today, like yeah. laughter and stuff like that is kind of looked down on and, and like being able to jump up and down a little bit and like praise God is kind of looked down on because yeah. it's, you're supposed to be reverent and quiet, your hands in your lap and your head bowed. Yeah. And yeah, it is so, so funny to me that you mentioned this because it is, oh, I totally may cry. Wow. Um, it is something that I am very passionate about because I have experienced that. I've experienced those times to where I laughing uncontrollably and it's no other reason besides God has touched me or you know, guys, God has a sense of humor. Like he is not same some like guy who talks very monotone, like, okay. So we were talking about fire and okay. So whenever it talks about the Holy spirit in the Bible, it talks about fire and it also talks about water fire and water are very contradictory to each other in the natural realm right mm -hmm. and so i'm like wow god you're pretty funny you're like talking about holy spirit and fire and like in water you know so i don't know it's super crazy to me but anyways i have experienced those things um and i i don't ever want to push my beliefs onto someone else or like, no, like this is, I, I don't even know how to say it, but there, it's just, oh, it's so fun. There's not even words to it. Um, it is something that I do feel is greatly missed. Um, maybe because in America, we are, we like structure naturally it's just i think as humans any human like structure but especially here we like structure and we do not like things that we cannot control or um that so, stuff that we don't completely understand does that make sense oh yeah and so oh, um, yeah. god is god is very very um I don't want to say unpredictable, but you can't put them in a box. 
And I'm not saying this to shame anyone or condemn anyone, but a lot of times God is put in a box, not not necessarily on purpose, but maybe that's just the way we were taught. Mm -hmm. And so you just are in the mindset of this is how things were. This is how I was raised. There's nothing else to it. Um, and so like, if you read the Bible, there are crazy things in there. Like I will tell people, and I'm sure so many people think that I'm insane, but I'm like, I want to see somebody raised from the dead. Or, um, I want to see somebody's arm, finger, leg, toe. I don't care. I just want to see it like come back because God can do that. If he can raise someone from the dead, surely he can do that too. Mm-hmm. Like I, so many people who their back pain gets healed or deaf ears opened, like, and people are like, no, no, no. Like that, that doesn't, that doesn't happen anymore. Well, it does because God, like Jesus said, you will do these things and do even greater than I have done. He tells us that. And so he doesn't just blindly say things. So, and that's another thing about kids. Super cool story about healing and kids, because I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about. Uh, I was in Washington, D.C. probably five, six years ago on a trip with the youth group. And my youth pastor's little girl, me, her, and my friends were um, sitting in our bedroom. And she's probably like six at the time, five or six. And we're sitting there and my friend is like, you know, my toe has just really been hurting. And I don't know what happened. And we just continue our conversation. Well, this little girl's sitting in the floor and just out of nowhere, like we're still talking. She puts her hand on her toe and prays for it to be healed. I'm like, what in the world is going on? We didn't ask her to. She, she's seen people do this. She's seen adults do this and she knows Jesus. So that's her first thing. Like, well, I know who, who can fix this. It's Jesus, right? So, right, it's insane. And I've seen so many kids do that. And it's just because, like, why not? The worst thing that could ever happen is it to not get healed. So, you know, and people ask the question, like, well, I've never, and I've never seen anybody's, like, ears get opened up. Like, I've been around, you know. And I've heard people tell stories, yada, yada. I've seen people get healed, not that specifically. But if I'm like, yeah, I've, I've never seen um, somebody deaf be able to hear again. And it's like, well, um, have you prayed for it? Have you prayed for somebody that's deaf? That, that's where you got to start, right? And so, so many testimonies that I've heard is of people who have pursued God and they'll go to Walmart and they'll just ask God to show me somebody to pray for. And they'll just go and pray for people. And some of them are like, I prayed for like 200 people and no one got healed, but I did it again and somebody got healed. And it's not me healing them or the person that's praying, it's God. And it's the greatest way of evangelism that I've ever experienced. Because if you're like, it's kind of hard to get the point across of like, okay, we live in a fallen world. 
people do bad things. We sin. This guy, his name's Jesus. He's God. Like he created everything. He came to die for you. Especially if there's no basis of the gospel. I remember being in Mexico and I'm like, hey, have you ever heard of Jesus? And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, who you're talking about. And I'm like, which is mind blowing to me, a girl who grew up in the Bible belt. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know Jesus? Um, but if you can get people to encounter the love of God, it's the biggest open door. Like praying for people who have back pain and it's like, Jesus, come and touch her. Just he like healing in the name of Jesus. Um, and then they get healed and it's like, you know what? Jesus really loves you. Like we cannot do anything to heal. And he loves you so much that he doesn't only want to heal your back pain, but he also wants to heal like your soul for like the rest of eternity. So you don't have to go and die and be in hell for eternity. Like that's how much he loves you. He made a way not only for you to get physically healed, but for you to spiritually be healed. So it's just a really cool, yeah. Jesus. He's just really awesome. <laughs> he, he really is. I um, Sorry, I went off on like this whole thing. I'm like, whoa, here we go. <laughs> That's, it's actually really, really awesome that you said that. I, I love the idea of childlike faith because I remember when I was a little girl, like I literally prayed for everything. If I wanted to go to a birthday party, I prayed that God would change mom's mind. If I couldn't find my favorite toy, I would pray, God, can I please find this toy? And they always got answered as a right. And then you grow up and you discredit that and start trusting more in your own abilities. And then you stop asking God for things as much. Alrighty, that's a really good stopping point for us right now. Um, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it was like an hour long conversation. So for those of you who only have a 30-minute drive to work, I hope this filled your drive in a little bit more. Um, keep your ears open for next week. We'll be releasing the last little bit of this one. And then after that, I'm going to be talking to my friend Jess about some things going on in her life and that have gone on. She's really wise, and I can't wait for you guys to hear what she has to say. Toodaloos, till next time. <laughs>